and Justice Minister Helen McEntee is on the line to talk to us about the launch of the new agency to tackle domestic, sexual and gender-based violence. The agency is called Cúin, which means haven or harbour in Irish. But before we get to that, Minister McEntee, we have to deal with the latest controversy to afflict RTE, namely the resignation overnight of Board Chair Shuni Rahali. After Minister Catherine Martin's interview on primetime last night, where Minister Martin refused several times to express confidence in the Board Chair Shuni Rahali over the Minister not being told the Board had approved to or been aware of two executive exit deals. Just before one o'clock this morning, Shuni Rahali resigned. Um, the Labour Party leader, Minister McEntee, Ivana Bacic, has said this morning, it's rather shocking to see what amounted to a summary dismissal on air by the Minister last night. She says the Minister now has questions to answer. The question being, is this any way to do business? Well, good morning, Anya. Um, firstly, Minister Martin had committed to doing an interview and she uh, stuck with that commitment and um, what she did last night was simply outline the facts as they had transpired this week. She outlined the facts of the meetings and the conversations that she had had and she said very clearly that she needed to and wanted to speak with Shuni Rahalig to discuss further uh, some of the information that had come to light today. She did not dismiss her. Uh, in fact, she has stated very clearly the huge amount of work that Shewan has done over the last number of months. I think the difficulty here is that all of us want to have confidence in RTE. We want to have confidence in those who are managing it and we want to move forward. General public wants to be able to move mm -hmm. forward, that we have a plan in place that people have confidence in. And unfortunately, when we continue to have information coming out in the way that it is on numbers of different issues, it's very difficult for people to have confidence. So, of course, this will add to the challenges yeah. uh, that RT are facing now. Um, but I have no doubt that Minister Martin will update me in more detail and my colleagues over the coming days. Um, but really, we need to be able to move forward from this. Um, Except there are questions difficult. for the Minister. Minister, uh, For instance, in her resignation statement, uh, Shuni Rahali says in relation to the Richard Collins, uh, the former Chief Financial Officer, in relation to his exit deal, uh, which was brought to the remuneration committee of the board of RTE on October the 9th, uh, Shuni Rahali says the department, she informed the department about the process which led to Richard's departure from RTE on October the 10th, the day after it was approved at the remuneration committee. So that would suggest there should be a note in the department somewhere saying exactly what they were told about that exit deal back in October. Shouldn't that be seen now? Well, absolutely. If that was the case, there should, and I'm sure there would be a note. Um, but again, the facts this week, as the Minister has outlined them, is that she asked a number of times whether or not the board, and obviously this is connected with the board, this committee, whether the board had any role in any of these packages, and she was told a number of times no. So these are the facts that have been laid out to me and to others and to yourself. Uh, but I have no doubt mm -hmm. that there will be further questions that need to be asked. Except the minister did say, I'm, I'm not. Uh, the minister did say on prime time last night, Minister Martin. She did say. I would have had an awareness, this is in relation to the Richard Collins package, that there were legalities. It was very complex 
and I knew that there was a package and it wasn't a straightforward resignation. So that does raise a, a more serious question, doesn't there, about what the department knew, what the minister did or didn't know, given that it led to her so publicly refusing to express confidence in the chair of a crisis-ridden organisation, which is now chairless as well as everything else. Well, the minister was very clear that she didn't know uh, that she had been told that there was no role uh, of the board in those packages, whether she knew that there was a package more generally or had a sense that's separate, and she has said that. But she has been very clear that she was not aware of the board's role or any involvement in it. Minister Martin's direct contact, really, if you look at the Act, is directly with the chair. That is the person that she relies on for information. That is the person that mm-hmm. she engages with most and directly. And she has laid out the facts as they unfolded this week, the conversations that were had. And I think it's regrettable that a, a meeting well, can't happen today now. Well, she's laid out her version of events and, and obviously there are several takes. Uh, your colleague Alan Dillon uh, wants to know, was uh, the Director General of RTE, Kevin Backhurst, was he in the room on that meeting on Monday? Which again, the Minister is saying that's one of the occasions uh, where she wasn't informed or she, she was misinformed that the Board had no knowledge. Was Kevin Backhurst the Director of RTE uh, the d- Director General in the room when that uh, misinformation was conveyed to the Minister and did he correct that in any way? That I don't know uh, and that I can't tell you on and I have no doubt Do you that want that to information know because Alan Dillon does and he wants to see the minutes of the Remuneration Committee as well published? Well, I, I think absolutely any information that can be made public on this should be uh, and again I go back to my point people want transparency people want to know that we can have confidence in the people who are in the room, who are making these decisions, who are then communicating what the facts are. So I have no doubt that that information will be made public. I've no doubt that mm-hmm. that information will be communicated. I can't answer you that because I don't know myself at this stage, but I have no doubt Minister Martin will not just update myself and my Cabinet colleagues, but this kind of information will be made clear. Her direct communication, as I've said, and her direct line is with the chair, The intention was that there would be a meeting today, but obviously we know that that is now not happening uh, and that we have instead a resignation. Well, again, getting back to Ivana Bacic's point about summary dismissal live on air, and you you say the minister did not uh, sack the chair, but I mean, that we really haven't seen anything like it, have we, since Charlie Hawhey went on this week and asked Michael Smurfett to step aside. The lack of confidence being expressed was so pointed. Minister Martin didn't ask anybody to step aside and I think we we have to be clear on that. She committed to doing an interview and did not renege on that. What she did was outline the facts as they had happened this week um, and expressed her wish to meet with and to sit down with Shunni Rahalig this morning uh, and to understand and to be absolutely clear as to what the facts were. That's now not happening unfortunately, um, and we need to know. And the Minister obviously needs to look at how does she and how do we all move forward in the best way possible? How do we make sure all of this information is made clearly available um, that we can move forward? I mean, none of us can move forward. The RTE cannot move forward until all of this information uh, is made available, until there is absolute transparency. And while Mm -hmm. this type of, uh, you know, information is coming out in the way that it is, that's simply not possible. Let's move on and talk about Cohen being launched today. What will it do? Well, can I just say, Anya, I, this is such an important day. It, it really, really is. We now have an agency for the first time whose sole focus 
is tackling domestic sexual and gender-based violence. And I think that sends such a strong message to victims and survivors of domestic and sexual violence, but to everybody that this is an issue that will never go off the agenda. It is such a problem that impacts every single one of our lives, whether we know it or not, the women and the men in our lives. Um, and this agency will focus solely on protecting victims, supporting survivors, working with the wonderful agencies on the ground that provide services, helping to enhance the work they do, filling the gaps where there aren't services across the country. But it will also do a number of new things. It will gather information in a way that we don't have. We have some very stark facts and figures already. Uh, it's clear that this is a problem that impacts people at a much younger age. It's clear that there are far more men and women, women in particular, impacted by domestic and sexual violence than we would even like to believe. But the more facts and figures we have, the better policies we can implement, the better we can resource uh, the services to support people and the better we can try and prevent these type of awful behaviours and crimes from happening. So this agency will do a lot, um, but I'm absolutely confident that it will really change the dynamic and start uh, ensuring that this is a, a problem and an issue that remains on the agenda and that is prioritised no matter mm -hmm. who is minister, no matter who is in any role, no matter what issue is on the agenda at government, that this remains a priority. Your aim, uh, or Cohen's aim, is uh, to double refuge accommodation to 280 units across the country by the end of 2026. Um, how real is that target? I mean, for instance, in terms of, you know, asylum seekers, we, we, we've had commitments on, you know, major centres and we're still waiting to see those. So that commitment on the refuge, how, how sure can you be those 280 units will actually be there in 26? That, that is a real target and that is a real commitment. We have uh, just under half of that now uh, and the problem that we have had um, is that there is no real structure in developing them. They have emerged refuges across the country from the bottom up have organisations that have decided to deliver these services, but there hasn't been a coordinated effort. So a huge amount of work has mm -hmm. happened over the last uh, two years, really bringing together the relevant departments that are needed to establish these refuge and accommodation and also the agencies that will help to deliver them. So we have three that are currently underway that will deliver 24 additional spaces. And then we have a series of other areas where we have bought sites, where we have identified providers, where we are working with local authorities. Uh, and all of this then will add up to the remaining uh, refuge and accommodation that is required and that's everywhere from Dunleary Ratdown to Cavan Monaghan to Carlow right across okay. the country where there are gaps separate to that then we've gone from having two safe houses which is again separate these are more uh, this is accommodation in the community separate to a refuge where there maybe isn't as much risk for the woman or the children or, or men that has now increased to almost 60 in a, a short number of years so they will continue to All increase right. uh, separate to the refuge and accommodation. So you're confident about delivery then but to later today or over this weekend, I think we're going to pass the number of a thousand uh, asylum seekers, applicants uh, sleeping in tents here in Ireland. Still no sign uh, of the government's much vaunted large reception centres. When will we know about one or all of them? Well, Minister Gorman has been working on this um, and has done a huge amount of work to be able to bring a paper to Cabinet. My understanding is that we'll have that in a matter of weeks. Uh, we have in, and Minister O'Gorman leading in his department, has accommodated close to 100,000 people in about two years. Um, and that is coming from a base where we would have accommodated 
the lower end a few thousand every year so every effort has been made mm-hmm. is being made will continue to be made to house people but it's nobody wants to see a person on the street not one of us wants to see a person without a roof over their head so everything that we can do is yeah. being done but we simply don't have unlimited accommodation here we simply don't have the supply that we need the numbers of people that have uh, come particularly from ukraine because the vast majority of people that we have accommodated have come from ukraine but also the number seeking international protection has quadrupled uh, in a very short space of time and the ability to be able to scale up uh, in such a short space of time is a challenge and nobody uh, is saying that it's not but i expect that we will have uh, an outline of a plan to cabinet in the coming weeks and obviously i will work closely with minister o'gorman as will my colleagues to realise that plan. Finally, Minister, um, the hate speech legislation was due back in the doll, we thought, early in the new year. When is that going to be back in the doll? When do you envisage that will become law? Or is it being long-fingered? No, it's not. Um, It's past all stages in the doll. It's due back in the Shannad. Uh, I've been considering uh, what options or what possible amendments could be made based on engagement that I've had with colleagues. Uh, I very much intend to implement this legislation and my hope is that it will be back in the Shannad after Easter after Easter. Okay, thank you for that. Justice Minister Helen McEntee and thank you for joining us on Morning Ireland this morning.